0: Welcome to Knowles 24-7's On the Bench Podcast. This is Brendan Sinone. I'm joined by Josh Newberg, Chris Knee. I think we need to address the elephant in the room here. Chris just talked to us while pooping. Hey, You called me. <laughs> it's just, I just think it set a weird tone for what was already a weird day. Hi, everyone. All right, so big weekend coming up. Florida State, Miami, rivalry game. A very interesting 4-4 four and four matchup, right, because there's uh, – a. There's a lot of intrigue to what happens with Florida State and Willie Taggart, and you know he still has yet to record a win against a rival, and this is a chance to do so. So, fellas, I, uh, I think the way we want to go about this, because it's big for FSU from the on-field perspective, it's big from a recruiting perspective, and we want to go over some of the names that we've confirmed that you guys have, have confirmed this week. Uh, this is a podcast for the people. Let's just go over the questions that we have from our listeners slash readers for this week. Uh, and then fill in any fill in any of the gaps after that. But we got a lot of really good questions. And I think that's going to be a good vehicle to go over what's a, a, an important game and an important week. So. All right. You guys ready for this? Sure. Let's go. On, go. Let's go. All right. F.S. F.S. Gat 77 asks, who is the second legitimate quarterback? Uh, I guess that's quarterback op- option. The staff is recruiting. Are they waiting for portal options? Transfers at this point? Uh, let's start off with Chris. Now he's a little bit lighter and refreshed. What are your thoughts on the number two option at quarterback?
1: See what I I think. I think Kendall Browse is still here next year that a lot of people think Derek King's going to become a real possibility. If he actually does enter the transfer portal, which he hasn't done so yet. I would say that the best answer to that question is right now, it looks like transfer portal with Malik Hornsby moving on. There hasn't been any movement with Cade Renfro. There's not really enough high school that I can point to and say, that's their guy. It seems like you're going to look at the transfer portal potentially. I think De'Aaron King's a guy that certainly makes perfect sense because of the ties to Bryle's, the fact he can run his offense at a high level, and the fact of what's going on with him in the
0: Houston situation. Are you doing okay? You're looking out the window longingly right now. Would you rather be outside playing?
2: No, I mean, it's beautiful outside, but yeah, I'm doing great. I just want to clear some things up. I was not suspended from the last On the Bench podcast. I was just <laughs> out dealing with some personal issues. It's not a suspension. I'm back and I'm dressed, so I'm on the field. Um, To answer that question, I think that Florida State showed that they had no urgency during the summer to get high school quarterbacks on campus to throw for them. The only one that we saw was Cade Renfro. I know that they were interested in Malik Hornsby, but he took himself off of the board. Um, Chris has exchanged some messages with Renfro over the over the couple weeks during the season. And he said that, you know, there doesn't seem to be mutual interest there. So yeah, I do think they're going to depend. They're going to look to the portal. Um, they looked to the portal last year and we saw, you know, they didn't get the desired results. They did get somebody, but it wasn't the guys that they went after in the first wave. If Bryles is here and King enters the portal, you know, I think there's a good chance that these two sides could link up, but, um, five, six, eight weeks until we find that out. So right now it doesn't look like there's a priority for a second quarterback.
0: I think King does make sense. But again, the caveat is, does he indeed enter the the transfer portal? And is Kendall Bryles at Florida state, which brings us to the next question. Uh, this is from VVJ 1992. If tagger is back in 2020 that's next year, uh, do you believe Kendall Bryles returns as the offensive coordinator? It's interesting because, well, well, Josh, I'll throw this to you. Uh, what are your thoughts about Kendall Bryles returning? We could add a little context if needed, but but curious to get your thoughts on, on I guess, what the odds are that, that KB is back next year if, if Taggart's here as well.
2: Um, I, I'll defer to the great philosopher Chris Rock on this one and say that you're only as faithful as your options. We all know that Kendall Bryles is here for a limited time um, until he gets that opportunity to become a head coach. Now, I I don't believe he would leave for anything else, but you know, you got to factor in the uncertainty at Florida State. They didn't exactly go out and kill it this year. Seven, eight wins max is is the ceiling. Does he jump ship for a better job? Possibly, but I don't think he's just going to run away from Florida State at the end of the year. I think there's a a better chance that he returns next year than not.
1: I I tend to agree with that. I think November will play into it. So I think Mm it's kind of a premature question to some degree, but I think it's more likely he's here than not here at this point. It just depends what his options are.
0: I agree, and and to Chris's point about November, I think we have to see you know, how much autonomy you know, Kendall continues to have over the the play calling and and personnel. I think that's part of it too. I don't I don't think the you know. Well, anyway, let's move on. I don't I don't want to get into too much speculation, but uh, let's talk about this one. Bloom twenty four asks Fallout if we lose to Miami. Do you believe Taggart's tenure at Florida State would be done following the season or even shortly after? Uh, And the second question is, do you all believe the staff is capable of recruiting at a top five level if we can win nine to ten, nine to ten games regularly? Uh, So FSU enters this contest currently as a three point favorite. Uh, The line opened at six, so it's been cut in half. Uh, Both teams are four and four. FSU is creeping up and getting a little bit better in the S&P Plus each week. Uh, Miami, though, is higher up in that area I think in the 30s. I think FSU is in the 50s. Uh, big game for both teams. Chris, I'll, uh, I'll start with you for the first question. Uh, we, we know what we've reported on. Uh, we know what the finances are. This is stuff that we've reported on with Willie Taggart's status. All, all these things are, are in context here that we've already talked about previously on podcast. Not a ton of need to explain. Uh, FSU's four and four without a win against a rival right now under the Tagger era or under Taggart's tenure. Uh what happens if they lose? Uh, it would be pretty damning.
1: They would probably be facing at best six and six with losses to both Miami and Florida for the second consecutive year, as well as blowouts of Clemson, therefore really nothing to point to when it comes to rivals. You know, I think John Cooper once said something along the lines, if you don't beat your rivals, you don't keep your job, and that's kinda how this thing works. So I think it would be really, really difficult. I think the meat of the fan base has moved somewhat in the direction of moving on ever since the Wake game happened, and you know something like a loss to Miami in addition to a loss to Florida, it continues to move that meat. The extreme's always going to be the extreme, but when that middle shifts dramatically one way or the other, it becomes real hard to retain a guy with all the dollars and cents and the fact that you're not seeing year-over-year results and improvement that you would expect.
2: So the question is, if FSU loses to Miami, how will that affect Taggart's tenure? Is that what you're saying?
0: Brendan? If they lose to Miami, do you believe Taggart's tenure at Florida State would be done following the season or shortly after? Basically, oh, following it, the season, um, or shortly
2: after. But I think it increases the odds. I don't think it seals the deal. I,
0: I think that's fair. You have to see how the season plays out still. Um, mm-hmm. But there were a lot of people, a lot of angry people after Wake Forest, and uh, you know, going. Going 0-4 against uh, in-state rivals would Yeah, that's going to be the killer. I mean, if you, if you so.
2: lose to Miami and go 0-4 against your in-state rivals um, and barely make a bowl this year, it's not going to look pretty.
0: Well, and that also paints you in the corner, like Chris said, with the best-case scenario being 6-6. Six and six, You're then going up to Chestnut Hill next week uh, to, to face a Boston College team that's kind of figuring that stuff out a little bit, and, and that's essentially a must-win to yeah. – uh, assuming that florida keeps playing at the level it's playing at right now that's probably a must win to get bowl eligible again so yeah it's we're we're kind of in uh christeny shitter get off the pot territory right chris uh yeah, put,
1: <laughs> sorry go ahead i was trying to make a joke i was just gonna say they put themselves in an uncomfortable
0: situation yeah yes just like when you were pooping while talking to us on the phone earlier video phone you called me uh, do you all believe? Oh, so the second question that Bloom twenty four asks is if this team can win nine to ten games in the season under Taggart. So that's assuming you know that that Taggart's back next year and, and you know the staffs retained and they're winning nine or ten games that they can recruit at a top five level. I think yes. Like they're recruiting, they were recruiting at a top ten level coming off a of five and seven s- season. So yeah, sure, right. Like if, if this program wins, I think you could have stuff to sell, but you have to to win and they're sub five hundred under Taggart right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a yes. The logo and the history of the program helped to play into that, but I think the staff's also built to be a very successful recruiting bunch, but you got to have wins to stack up and show that. Kids aren't going to buy in you know, year over year if you're not
2: improving. Yeah, of course. Uh, that's kind of been the deal with Taggart. We all know he can recruit. There's no secret. He's been able to do well on these weekends, but the, the record is kind of the thorn in their side, and until they improve the record, they won't. They won't recruit better.
0: Yep, pretty pretty simple in, in that sense. All right, Very Jam, simple. Uh, lethal simplicity. Jamrock Null asks if you if it was up to you, how many quote unquote wild cam plays would you draw for this game? Less than 20, 20 to thirty, or more than thirty? Let's every talk about
1: single every single one. <laughs>
0: So you're saying all the options or every play? Every
1: play. Every play. Oh, just so you're saying just commit to the foul quarterback game. at this point. <laughs> He's won my quarterback competition at heart. Best uh, quarterback on the team. You guys thought I was kidding when I said
0: that. Let's talk about the wild camp. So I wrote a story back in February after National Signing Day came and went and FSU did not sign a prep quarterback for the second consecutive class and uh, I wrote a story about FSU's options at quarterback if it was a break, you know, a break in case of emergency type of scenario. And, and people thought I was trolling and I was having fun with it. But like it was a legitimate look at what the options were because there was a realistic possibility that there was going to come a point in the season if you didn't hit the, uh, the graduate transfer market the way you wanted to or if there was an injury that you were going to have to look at some of these options. Uh, Travis J, Cam Akers, DJ Matthews. And lo and behold, we see uh, Cam Akers in the Wildcat or the wild cam or QB three as Willie calls it, which I didn't really like that day. I thought that was kind of dull, but uh, you know, it worked really well against Syracuse and, and FSU has, has been pretty adamant especially uh, Kendall browse and saying, you know, this, that wasn't uh, just a, something to do to confuse Miami and put on tape. Like it's something that we legitimately want to do. How much moving forward to, to answer the initial question. I don't know. I, I would like to see them run it a lot, like about 20 to 30 times a game, would be a nice sweet spot there. I mean, that's that's about you know a, a quarter of your your plays potentially to to maybe even well not quite half. Now it'd be about a quarter of your plays uh, that you run out of that formation. I, I don't think it's realistic to do it more than 30 times. You, Chris, like a mm-hmm. full out commitment to it. That- I'm
1: here. I'm here for every play. I think every success, right? With him at quarterback, every play where he touches the ball on every play would be as good as any other option
0: all right between the four of you so this is in, including zach in here who's not with us right now uh who would be the best version of wild cam josh <laughs> josh uh josh who do you think And you can include yourself in this uh if you had to to diagram an offense and, and wanted a versatile uh run pass option at quarterback among us uh, we eliminate you. correct right away yeah
1: yeah I'm, I'm mm-hmm. out. all
0: right so that leaves three
2: I'm Nicole Minshew of this group. (laughs) I would definitely run the wild cam because there's times I used to play, uh, intramural football at, at Florida state. And there was times where I, I lined up at wide receiver, but I was the second quarterback in case of emergency.
0: All right. There you have it. I think, I think Josh would be nimble. I would try to, uh, you know what, Josh, for you, I would try to diagram a lot of stuff where we're getting you outside the tackle box, using your athleticism to kind of spring you around the corner a little bit. So Yeah, I can extend the play. Yeah, that's what I would do. I would I would allow your athleticism to shine. Uh, I don't think Zach would be my option. He's built more like a tight end and uh, had a knee issue a year ago. Uh, so yeah, I, I wouldn't pick him.
1: He's also a 19-year-old who looks like a 32-year-old.
0: And he acts like a 50-year-old, too. He's the most mature person of the bunch. So... Uh, Yeah, let's move on here. Big Daddy. I'm not going to say that last part. Big Daddy G. Let me call you Big Daddy (laughs) G. (laughs) What recruits do we stand to gain the most ground with or lose ground with based on the Miami game? Uh, Is this a good time to kind of go over the visitor list for Miami right now and kind of talk about who's going to be there in the stands to to watch this game? I think this may be an appropriate time to kind of dust off our list right now.
1: I can do the 15-second version. It's mostly all the 2020 commitments, for the most part, outside about a handful. Then you have a good amount of 2021 kids led by Amer- Amirius Mims, who's supposed to be their five-star offensive tackle. And then Holden Grenier, the younger quarterback, is also supposed to be there. He's a 2022 kid. There'll be more than that, but those are kind of what we're looking at. No officials as of today is what we're expecting. The lack of Brian Robinson's is disappointing. He would have been the answer to that question for me as far as who to gain, with, who to lose with. As far as who we expect in gain and lose, I think truthfully it's the commitments that you have the most to gain and lose. With if you win, they're further solidified. If you lose, you're four and five. That stadium turns real sour real quick. Uh, you know, it gets much more difficult to kind of hang on to that bunch who's been really good at being a really
0: solid bunch to this point in time. That was less than a minute, but it wasn't 15 seconds. It was still nicely done. Uh, is it crazy to you guys? Well what you just said, Chris, and this also reflects on some of the ways we answer the question earlier about Willie Taggart's future if they lose this game against Miami. I mean, we're towing such a fine line right now at Florida State, right? Like, this is nuts to me. It's just how, how close this is to either, like, okay, can you start turning it around, or, like, are people just checking out completely? Like, they've run out of middle ground, it seems like.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, I, I think I think they've done a good job of identifying guys who bought in on what they're trying to be, and we're willing to kind of take the lumps with them. So a lot of guys, they're just not in it with because those guys don't have an interest in a program that's kind of meddling at this point.
0: I'm giving Josh finger guns to pick it up. Oh my bad, I didn't see. Yeah, I
2: mean, I agree. I don't think that. I think the summer was indicative of what we could expect in the fall. Um, we we illustrated the fact that FSU was not getting impact players on campus during the summer. Um, We were kind of told that it's okay. It's going to be official visits during the season. These guys are coming out on these dates and and everything keeps getting pushed back. And it just feels like a replay of last year where might be a little bit in scramble mode before these early, before the early signing period in the regular one. Um, FSU has major needs to fill on the offensive and defensive line. And we are just not seeing these guys show up to campus.
1: Yeah. One other thing I'd add real quick is if FSU is pushing everything to after the season and pushing it all to December, it's basically three visit weekends before the early signing period, the early signing period, roughly 70 to 80%. So let's say 75% of uh, blue chip ratio prospects will be off the board in the early signing period. So the guys who aren't committed or weak, weak enough to go look at other schools, you got a three week time frame to get them on campus and everybody's trying to get them on campus. So by kind of condensing your calendar, you're putting yourself in a pickle. And when you're not the most appetizing dish on the table, they go select something else as their main dish. And that's where they go visit. So you're kind of putting yourself in a difficult situation where, you know, you're trying to resolve some of these issues of offensive tackle, defensive end, second quarterback possibility, some other things you need to show up and you're not sure you're going to be able to get those kids on campus. Yeah, you're kind of kicking the goal the ball down the field without a real goal in mind.
0: Are you hungry, Chris? You just had two different food references there to describe recruiting. No, I'm not hungry. Okay. Uh Josh, one thing you had said repeatedly, I feel like on the on the podcast all summer, uh when it came to attracting some of these blue chip recruits, uh, like a Brian Robinson, was FSU's offense had to look markedly better, the production on the field in general had to be better. Uh in that sense, do you get the vibe that Florida State's kind of running out of time to make this in, these impressions on on the guys who you need to bring in to, to kind of flip the roster? Or uh, I don't know uh, how many
2: guys there really are. I mean, we're talking about Brian Robinson in particular, so I'm not changing my crystal ball pick on Robinson. It's still on yeah, Florida no, State, I, huh? I was going to say another guy would
1: be someone like Dejon Edwards.
2: Yeah, and Edwards is coming in on an unofficial visit this weekend. I mean, here, like kind of what Chris said, the the net that FSU has casted is not very wide, and as you kind of delay things and delay things and getting guys on campus, you know, you, you are narrowing your chances. And with a, with a narrow focus on offered players, um, yeah, it, it, we could run into some problems. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because there's still – four or five weeks to go before the season ends um but i think it's concerning
0: chris said he's not hungry and you know he just went to the fridge and is downing chocolate milk out of the carton man chocolate milk and i know what he's drinking is that promised land one is delicious but it's very filling it's very filling and high in protein all right renegade nol 82 asks the db harrell uh would he have a spot if he wanted back in, someone who just committed from Miami – or decommitted, excuse me, from, from Miami. Uh,
2: I don't have any reason to believe that recruitment is going to heat back up between him and FSU. You, Chris? Yeah. No, I don't.
1: That's well put. I think FSU is comfortable moving on there, even though he's a talented kid. They just – it's not a major need, and they got other options. All
0: old right. RenegadeNol82 also asks, what does your gut tell you about Tisdall being in this class? Uh, yay or nay, or yay or nay, I guess, technically. Uh, that's Desmond Tisdall, the, the yeah. linebacker. No, Chris,
1: Josh has taken the field. I think that's a safe bet right now. I do expect him to come in the last visit weekend. That's been a consistent thing. I've been told about him that he was going to come in that weekend. So we'll see when they get guys in on that weekend. They have a pretty high hit rate, but you know, it has to happen for it to happen. I so- also needs
2: to have room at that position to take him. So there's just a couple things in play. It's not all about whether or not they like him as an athlete.
0: And they need to offer him, too, to obviously right. get that. That um, feels a little bit like the Darius Washington recruitment, where it's a fairly regional yep. kid who, who likes you, and if you had an offer, you probably shoot up to the very top of the list or at least close to it, and uh, FSU's yeah. betting its options I right you're now. you are going to
2: say it reminds me of Derek Kelly. a little thing, bit more old school. That was one that went down on – Derek Kelly was offered on signing day morning,
0: right? It the was night, the night, it before. night before. Yeah. yeah. Night it before, was the yeah. night before. Yeah.
1: Eh, that uh, worked one, out all right one thing on Tisdall, it seems like Auburn's in that, South Carolina's in that, uh, Tennessee's in that. But I'm not sure that anybody is, like,
2: pushing for a commitment from that kid today. Also, grade concerns. There might be there might be some. Like, I think him. a lot of people
1: like him. I don't know if anybody truly loves him right now. So I think FSC's okay kind of playing that one out the way they have.
0: Yeah. All right. Phil S. Goodman asks, Chris, this is for you. Over, under on 55 passing yards for the for cam for the wild cam on saturday
1: i'm taking that over baby
0: all day i mean you're assuming he's going to play every single snap at quarterback
1: i don't actually think he will i would just (laughs) like to see it but i i think they definitely pop a big one with him and go for it i think they'll do a couple things with him in the passing game i mean he's definitely become kind of the curveball to the offense and doesn't seem like they're going to go away from it if it's bringing back good results
0: The narrative earlier this week was that they did it just for film, but I I got the feeling, no, I think they're going to use it uh, probably about a dozen times easily. I think they
1: did it for both. I mean, I think they put it on film to make Miami have to prepare prepare for it, but I think there's plenty more in the arsenal.
0: uh, There's a lot more wrinkles. I did something a little bit where I just looked at what Baylor did with, with KB when they were down to basically no quarterbacks in that 2015 bowl game against UNC and, uh, there's a lot more variations from what they can do than what they've actually shown thus far. There's a lot you can do there. Someone told me to slow the roll on cam. I will not. We're leaning into it here, baby. We're leaning into it. Knowles 59 asked with D That's on Tavis Jackson out last week. Uh, were you impressed with how the younger guys stepped in? Think we continue to see more of them. Chris, uh, you have a update kind of sorta with Don Tavis Jackson from the Willie Taggart uh, availability this morning.
1: Yeah, we saw him on Tuesday. He had the big hard cotton swab on the hand, similar to what Emmett Rice had last season when he dealt with a hand injury. Um, This morning, Willie Taggart made it sound like he would be available. That he's back to practicing. Guys were happy to see him and that, you know, he's back at it. I don't know how much we'll see him, but it sounds like he should be dressed out on Saturday as of today. Um, As for the younger guys, you know, I I thought Emmett Rice has continued to play better ball. He played really well at Wake Forest the week before, so – the fact that he's continued that isn't surprising. And then, while he's a safety, Hampson Naselene well, has worked in a lot of uh, ways in that what those guys are asked to do. And he played the best game of his life this past weekend. So those are two guys. But Nas isn't really a young guy; he's much more veteran. They're probably asking more of the Jaleel McRae, McCray. the, the uh, Kalen Deloach, and yeah, you know, those two guys have done well. And Deloach had seen an increase in PT moving to defense. Some um, good for him. Continue to build on it. Better future ahead.
0: Emmett Rice is the real pleasant surprise of the group and not I remember watching him late last year. And I think it was against Boston college. He flashed to the point where like, yeah, that guy looks like a linebacker. And then early this year had been pretty disappointing, but the last two weeks, I think he's been a lot more under control. I think the hands feeling better. Uh, he's had two nice games in a row where he's graded out pretty well in PFF and racked up a lot of tackles against wake, but he's, he's probably been the most pleasant surprise to your point though, Chris, he is a red shirt junior, not a young guy, uh, yeah no moving on. Renegade Noel 82 asks uh, it's a question about Elijah Roberts. Uh, do you think his recruitment could reopen when we beat Miami? Josh?
2: Elijah Roberts hasn't been on campus since April 6th and I have heard no buzz or no reason to believe that uh, he's been talking or his interest in FSU. you know just wake me up when he's been back on campus. I, I would think that if FSU was going to turn the tides, and they have been talking to him and laying the groundwork, then he'd probably be on campus this weekend. So if he's not on campus and um, we haven't heard anything or expect him to be, but no, I don't think that this one's going to get reignited.
0: All right. AD Lee Canada is what I think that is. That's a really long question. Actually three questions and, and boiling it down to this. If FSU wins the rest of its games, aside from the UF, uh, contest how do you see the recruiting class finishing out so this is you beat miami you beat boston college you beat alabama state uh you lose the season finale and then i assume you have a bowl game and you win that one too so you finish with eight wins right is my math correct there chris yes eight wins uh, yeah, seven w- in
1: regular season plus bowl.
0: all right what can this class be if if you win if you finish with eight eight wins
1: Edwards, Robinson, one or two other guys we don't really see on the radar right now, but I don't think they're top-tier, high-caliber guys. And then they hit the portal and they hit the transfer market.
0: All right. All right. Uh, also, any last-minute recruits visiting this weekend? I mean, well,
2: if we knew Ooh. who they were going to
0: be, we would have that out, right? Is there anywhere Yeah, we definitely were, put we're...
2: it out if we had it.
0: Yeah. All right. Roll Knowles 92 asks, where do we stand with Brian Robinson? We've kind of talked about that one already. Is there anything else to add on a good old um, B-Rob? I'll just
2: say I I think Florida State hasn't done much to really help themselves this season with Robinson. But that being said, the people that I talk to believe, you know, FSU still sits in a good position. He's still in on Taggart. He's still in on, on what FSU is doing. And if you follow the visits, he's been to FSU more than anywhere else. Um, despite him canceling this visit and not showing up, it's not like he's he's been at UF every weekend or or at Miami. So until I'm told otherwise, from those close to him, I'm, I'm sticking with Florida State as my pick. Yeah, until Alabama
1: turns green light on him and makes him a priority, I don't think we need to put our shit and pants on.
0: A lot of poop references today. I'm here for it. Knowles 1998 asks how many targets do you think commit after Saturday if we win uh, given the developments with uh, official visitors no longer expected I don't know guys what do you think immediately after Chris when you're on the bench who's on who's on commit watch after a win I would have nobody on commit
2: watch right now I think all right Josh. Yeah, maybe a 2021-2022 kid gets excited and, and, and puts puts a commitment down. But right now, as far as 2020 guys go, I think it's going to be mainly commitments. And I'm not anticipating any um, surprises right now. So. Yeah.
0: Edwards? One guy, no? Maybe Edwards?
1: Well, he's the one guy I was thinking of in 2020. But the thing with him is Georgia's keeping him real warm. They were at his game here in recent weeks. He was up there, I believe, earlier this season for a visit. So... I feel like, the, and he's never been a kid that's been in a rush. He's always said he was going to take some time. So, yeah, I'm hesitant to think he would be on commit watch.
0: Uh, Roll Knowles, 92. Sorry, I skipped his question. He had a follow-up after the B-Rob question. He said the ACC Network's Packer and Durham show stated that Cam Akers is nicked up with a hip injury. Any legs? (laughs) See what he did there? Any legs to this story? Is he healthy? Uh, He left the game against Syracuse briefly. And they said he was just kind of nicked up. I haven't gotten the impression that it's something very serious. unless it's been a new development. Chris?
1: Cam said after the game that he was fine. You know, it was something minor. He did go to the locker room. We saw him come back out. He didn't come back in, but the game was in hand. Uh, yeah. This week during practice, watching him come and go. And then Tuesday, he looked fine. I, uh, To the best of my knowledge, he's full go. And I, I get the feeling that mentally Cam is full go unless somebody's telling him he can't play.
0: Cam's had as many carries as anyone this year. Like, there's going to be some some fatigue at some point, but I don't think it's anything that we've heard people freaking out about uh, within the program, so I think you're okay for now. All right, let's see. Bloom24 asks, in your opinion, will FSU be back to being a national championship contending team by the time it comes around to play in Alabama? Chris, you uh, <laughs> you got that? <laughs> you got <laughs> Oh my God, guys! Why are you doing this to yourself? Uh, Chris, you got the story out. Alabama FSU playing a home and home series. That's really good stuff. When is it? Twenty twenty five and twenty twenty four. The
1: world might be over. So like, I'm not really worried about such things on a d- Thursday afternoon in 2019. It's just not there for me. Like, nah. I, I, who the hell knows?
0: I mean, when, when's it, when's this? When is or when are the games going to be played? Twenty twenty four and twenty twenty five, or I think it was twenty five and Twenty six, Okay, yeah. in the first. This one's in Tallahassee. Yeah, That'd be I fun, though.
1: 20, 23 is supposed to be LSU if they ever ink that contract, and then skip a year, and then I think it's 25-26. All right. And then skip a year, and then I think it's Georgia 28-29, if I remember correctly, how it stacks up.
0: All right. Tens the mic. Tens the mic asks, who can do the most push-ups? I think he means out of us.
1: I, I, I'm i going to be honest here. I may be challenging for this crown after my recent run with the gym. I've really... Planking has
2: changed my life. Josh is the yoga king. Yeah, uh, I can. I could probably. I, I'm. I, I'm willing to say that I could do 20 push-ups and 10 pull-ups
0: right now, and neither of you could do that. Oh, you're I gonna get,
1: whoop my ass and pull-ups. I, pull-ups <laughs> <not> my game.
2: <laughs>
0: I, I yeah, uh, the pull-ups I would maybe struggle with, but I could do. I bet you I could do 40 push-ups right now,
2: without stopping. Yeah. real
0: push-ups. Want me to do it? You guys keep going, and you can watch me. Here, can I can, me? I
2: can do, I
0: can do twenty and ten
2: straight off the bench any moment. That's I without can, a warm-up. 20,
0: twenty, 20 10. is easy. That's not, that's not difficult. Okay. So, well,
2: then when we're in person, I want to see me and you will do twenty. I'll do, push-ups. I'll do twenty
0: right 40. now. You guys keep doing, going with the <laughs> questions. Talk about, t- talk about Jalen Knighton. Can you guys see me count?
2: All right. So, Chris, with this Knighton
0: news, um,
2: should we be panicked or no? You're referencing him visiting Florida
1: the weekend of November nine.
2: Fine, I
1: uh, I mean, who knows? I think if they lose, this nipples weekend, to the sure.
2: floor, Brandon. Nipples to the floor.
1: <laughs> if they lose this weekend, go ahead and hit the panic button on anything you want to. I mean, it's just where the program's going to be. But Knighton's given no indication that he has a you know float nine. He's looking at other schools.
0: That's twenty. I, until, See that until, twenty
1: until. until, until Until Ohio State comes back in the picture with him, I'm not super concerned unless FSU gives me reason to be concerned with him.
2: I mean, this Florida stuff is a little bit concerning to me because I think that – here's the deal. Florida doesn't have a running back committed, and they're kind of kicking the tires on a few. And I think that they're bringing in – my understanding is they're bringing in Jalen Knighton. They know he's committed to FSU. They're not sure if they want to go all in on him. Hell, they want to just see if Knighton's even excited about – you know, the Forty Gators. So I think this is a visit where the two sides are going to feel each other out. And depending on how it goes, it could become something to be concerned about. I, I, you know, I'm not just saying just to brush this off. And I think this lays the groundwork for whether or not UF brings him in on an official visit later in the season. I mean, later in the year after the season,
0: I'm not going to lie that 20 pushups was easy, but I'm a lot more winded than I thought I would be (laughs) afterwards. Afterwards now. (laughs) All right, that's everything we had for questions. I think we take a quick break, and then you uh, and then
1: catch then... your breath.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me.
1: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: All right, we're back, and I still haven't really caught my breath yet. Guys, uh, let's let's talk about the significance we touched on it a little bit, but the significance of this weekend coming up for Florida state, it's big in the sense of on the field. Uh, I think this essentially guarantees that you're bowl eligible if you win this game, because you're going to be Alabama state, uh, it gives Willie Taggart, you know, uh, we'll have to see how the win goes, but, but it's probably the biggest win in his coaching career at Florida state today. If he goes ahead and beats a rival Miami, even though they're down this year and then been on the field uh, or off the field recruiting. So, uh, one to ten. We'll do it in a very archaic way here. How big is this weekend for Florida State and Willie Taggart? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go nine. I think it's significant. Win or I'm lose. I'm going.
1: I'm going full ten. I mean, I think wow. it. Like I said, I think it's Ooh. it's a fan base. It either buys you another year or if it turns your seat up to eleven as far as heat.
2: I'm going, I'm going seven and a half. I don't i am
0: going think... Oh, Josh is being the nuanced one here. Wow. Well, no, but because I, I just... Josh already think, fired him.
1: Don't you remember that podcast?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I did not fire I'm him. And I even said I didn't... I, I was illustrating that I did not think he was going to get fired, but if fans were going to hear something, it was going to come down in the next two you're, days.
0: You're fine. The people who listen to all of it are informed. Oh, you're I bitter. know I'm fine.
2: But what I'm saying is, I don't, here's what I'm, here's what I mean by a seven and a half. If Florida State wins, it's not going to be some huge windfall of recruiting. Um, the team isn't going to all, all of a sudden be uh, ready to take on Florida and go into the swamp and compete. I just think, and also on the flip side, if they do lose, if it was a 10, if I was to rate it a 10, to me, a loss would mean Willie Taggart's job could be, Taken at the end of the night, Uh, again from even when I what I said a week ago, I don't think anything is going to be determined on Willie Taggart's job tenure till the end of the year. So for those reasons, I just I think it's a big important weekend. But win or loss, I mean, not much is going to shift in the days following.
1: Uh, I think a loss buries them. Truthfully, I just I think that you know FSU sitting at four and five staring at six and six potentially, I just...
0: case six and six.
1: I point. think that the the fan base will be done. Like, I, I you know, I feel like the fan base, there's been a migration away from support already, and I think it would be a death blow.
0: Chris, you had an interesting point earlier when talking about the fan base, and you're right, there's the extremes, there's the polar, polarizing, there's the people who, uh, who can be... Uh, anti willy no matter what essentially uh and then the people who are pro willy no matter what and and you're gonna have both sides of that it's that middle ground that you're usually kind of vying for the people who are typically going to be more rational and can be persuaded one way or the other based on results and, and look at the big picture and you noted that you thought there was somewhat of a shift after the wake forest game i i obtained some emails through a personal or a personal through a public right. Rec- I'm still tired from the pushups, man, uh, from the public, rec- from a public, rec- public records request to David Coburn, uh, and want to see basically what And I haven't known how to disseminate this. And maybe the podcast here is the best time to do it. I wanted to see what the fallout was from, from fans and from boosters immediately after that wake forest loss. Uh, and after getting the request, you know, filled, Josh, you know, you looked over some of the emails. There wasn't anything super explosive, but to me, what I saw was a handful, probably a couple dozen of rational fans. Some of those people, boosters, uh, higher up boosters, you know, the golden chiefs or or, on the silver level. So you're talking about people donate thousands of dollars a year, nothing crazy, but a a fair amount. uh, And basically expressing disappointment and, and urging the athletic director to take a look at making a move again, that's coming in the days after a pretty I dramatic loss. It, go ahead, Josh. I, I want to get your thoughts on on what you saw that day.
2: I read them. I mean, there was one or two that were like rational responses out of the thirty six that we got. Um, I didn't think it was that that off the wall. Um, they actually read as to me like a bunch of Yelp reviews. So <laughs> you know how those people go. There's always somebody. There's always a letter writer in the group and. You know, there was one or two people that, you know, if they are legit, and, and if anybody listens to uh, to the podcast that wrote a letter in, please take no offense to me calling you a Yelp reviewer. But I, there I, still,
0: I review on Yelp.
2: There was one or two willing to withhold some booster money funds, and who knows if they were BSing or not. But I, I didn't think it was anything too major.
0: I thought it was more – see, I thought it was a little bit more, probably about a dozen or so of those people were were coming from a pretty logical standpoint and explaining themselves why they were disappointed. Yeah, you had the the name callers and, again, those extremes, but it it was more – and again, we're talking about a pretty small portion of of the fan base, a very, very small. But I thought it was just interesting to see that uh, articulated in a way that wasn't just on Twitter or just on a message board. It was someone who took took the time to write an email to uh, the athletic director, and some of those people are – purportedly people who, who pay money to the program to the athletic program. So it was interesting, Chris, I know you you're pretty well connected with with boosters and whatnot. and I think maybe to your point like that's something you've seen more of too is is that level, that rational middle group uh, showing less and less confidence. Is that fair to say? I think that's what we're seeing is people having less confidence and, and seeing less of a path to where they they think this program can go.
1: Yeah, I mean, there are some people that like willing, or some people that don't like willing. There's a whole lot of people in between those two extremes. And I think the common sentiment is just, can he get it done here? You know, so there's a lot of people, not a lot of people, there's a portion of people that certainly think he's not being given an appropriate amount of time if you pull the plug after two years. I think that's a perfectly fair argument. You know, we've seen people talk about, I believe Ira Schofield from Warchant talked about how few guys have lost their job after two years. It's not a commonplace thing, but I think there's a large portion of people that do legitimately wonder, can he have success here? Is it going the right direction? Is there enough building blocks that you're seeing it when you look towards next and you try to project, is there positives? Do you see a program that's getting better prepared for a tougher schedule or schedule that at least on paper appears to be tougher? And I think that's where a lot of people kind of hesitate and say, you know, if we don't do it, if there, if there's not movement now, after you know a season where potentially they go six and six, why are we waiting? Do we expect it to be in the same situation next year? But there's also people in the administration who aren't in a rush to make a change because they don't want to. They don't think it's something that makes sense to do after year two. So there there's so many balancing acts going on with. But at the end of the day, money's going to move the needle a lot. You know, poor ticket sales. Uh, booster donations dropping, things like that. You know, if they if they lose in the Alabama State games, barren wasteland. It's a bad look. And you know, if they go to Florida and they lose and get it handed to them, ticket sales for a ball game going to be really tough. I mean, that stuff just adds up. So uh, that's not really a good answer. No, it's a very it's a very complicated thing. It's not simple. And there's plenty of people that want to support them. My opinion is people should support FSU and football program, regardless of who the coach is. If they want the program to be good, it needs support and that's financial and that's personal. But I also understand people that believe that your money makes the answer happen when it comes to the coach. So that's why many people do what they do.
0: I, I think when there's a, there's a fairly strong amount of people who want direct answers. Like you should do this. You shouldn't do this. You should get rid of Willie tag. You should hang on to him. And, to chris's point like it's a balancing act there's a lot of variables to to factor in when you look at the finances i wrote on that last week and just the the amount of money that you're losing uh per home game or that you're not generating i guess to what you could be even with down seasons uh it's about a million dollars less per home game is what they're projected to probably be making compared to what they would have made the last few years so uh, that, and that's just solely home game revenue that's not talking about other things like like booster donations and uh concessions and, and other other aspects as well. So those are the kind of things that you have to factor in versus you know what a buyout could be, which would be uh, with his his contract and if you clean house on the staff, I mean, you're talking about $20 million for a buyout before you hire a new coach. Like this is an expensive venture either way. Ultimately they need Willie Taggart to win. I think when you talk about supporting FSU, like that's the best case scenario for Florida State is for starting this weekend. Uh, you know, Syracuse was a nice step, but now you go ahead and you, you go against two uh, more, you know, average teams in, in the ACC that are in your realm. Go ahead and beat Miami, beat Boston College, beat Alabama State, feel good about something heading into the Florida game. Like this is where if Willie has a chance to turn it around, like it, I, I feel like it has to start now or else he's he's running out of time if if it doesn't start this weekend. Uh, and That's why I gave it a nine. How about that? I'm tired. All right. All right. that took a lot out of me. Predict, I'm still tired from the uh, push-ups. Predictions, predictions. What do we got? I think Florida State wins this weekend. I do think this is the beginning of of Willie possibly possibly getting this thing back on track. I I don't love what Miami's doing this year. I don't think Miami fans love it. They're 500 as well. Jared Williams starting at quarterback. It's a it's a freshman QB who's been very susceptible to uh, to getting sacked and and. Being erratic at times, even though he has a nice arm and does some things very well. I think Florida State's defense is finding itself last couple weeks, getting a little bit better linebacker play, especially if the defensive front can get a good pass rush, which we've seen at times this season when they're good. They're really good. Uh, I think you you're able to do enough on defense to give your offense the ball and in, in scoring positions and and beat a team that I, I don't think is going to be able to do a whole lot of sustained uh, success. So I have FSU winning this. My prediction, I think, was 24 to 20.
1: Oh really? That was going to be mine. I hate you. I actually emailed Um, it. It's it's there. I I think
0: I think it's going to be shocking, Josh. Right, that we were that Chris and I were on the same cycle.
1: I think it's going to be like a twenty-seven, twenty-four type game. I think it's going to be played in the twenties, maybe upper twenties. I think it's going to be slow going early on, teams feeling each other out. I think the difference is I think FSU's O line actually plays. Well, against a pretty good Miami D line, I'm not saying to have a great day. I'm just saying to have a better day than I would have expected a month ago. And I think Miami's O line is just garbage. I mean, it reminds me of FSU's O line last year. So I think FSU's defensive line finds some success, messes with Jaron Williams, and creates some turnovers. And FSU does an effective job taking care of it. So I think they kind of win a ugly performance because Cam akers is best player on the field and he plays for FSU.
2: Yeah, I feel like Florida State's going to win this one. I I got to be honest with you guys. I watched the Miami Pitt game and I'm just going to say I'm, I'm pretty confident for state wins this game. Um, I think it comes down to cam Akers. He's got to be the man again on defense. FSU is going to need a takeaway or two because Miami has shown the ability to do that there. You know, there's even though they're four and four, they've still been able to create some turnovers and create some havoc on defense. So, Um, The same problems could still exist for Florida state with protecting whichever quarterback they got back there. And I'm with Chris. Um, I'm all for, you know, you're eight, you're nine games in right now. All that matters is winning. It doesn't matter how you win or or how you look at this point. And I think Cam Akers realistically gives you the best chance to win this game. So um, give it to him more than, more than not. But I think Florida state wins haven't ran all the numbers through my algorithm. You got, you guys know how that goes and I'll have the, I'll have my numbers for you tomorrow.
0: If FSU wins, as we're all currently predicting, and I'm expecting both of you guys to, to flip-flop because that's what you do. No, biggest I'm, win, it. I'm running big, hard. Big, biggest win in the Willie Taggart era? If, obviously, it depends on how they look, but potentially yeah, a biggest win.
1: Arrival. It would be the signature victory of his time at FSU, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I know that some people are shaking their heads because it's against a 500 Miami team, but that's where we oh, are. You've got to start somewhere. Rival. They, they right. haven't
2: beaten a rival yet, and in order to turn the corner, these are some of the things you got to do. you got to start beating your rivals, so you know, one foot in front of the other. First yeah, step, yeah. And first step, guys. I mean, if
1: you think about it, FSU has four losses, and they, they've lost to a fairly good Wake team, an excellent Clemson team, a very respectable Boise team. So those are three losses to what I would consider good teams. And then the fourth loss is uh, Virginia. Know, Virginia. 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 Who, who's going to compete for the top of the Coastal? But who isn't? Because the Coastal is erratic and nuts. I would just say that you don't need to lose to a bad team. I would consider out of those four games plus Miami, Miami to be a bad team among that group.
0: All right. Does someone want to end this for me? I don't have the energy after the push-ups. Well, there Too was annoying.
2: one question. There was one question that you didn't. You didn't ask. So I dropped it in the text box. I can read it.
0: Oh, sorry. You know what? I forgot. I was on a rant then. You want to, you, you want me to read it for you? Breath.
2: You're out of breath. For me. No, I'll read it. We I want to <laughs> Okay, so this is a question from one of our our members. Are you surprised that Taggart has kept the likes of DeMory Tate and even Jalen Knighton committed despite the season? So I want to throw it over to Moral Victory Mike over there. <laughs> I told you
1: I was pain. done with Moral Victories, man. I... I... That died dead and buried too. Yeah, I'm not surprised surprised by it. They they have done a good job of recruiting guys with a fair understanding of kind of where they stood and what they are. And even though the results this year are less than they probably even expected for themselves, there was preparation for FSU to still be an essentially a rebuild. So the fact those guys have stuck through it, no, I'm not surprised. Now, I think it gets more difficult with each loss as they pile up, the uncertainty with the coaching staff moving forward, those type of things. But to this point in time, no, I'm not surprised. Both of those guys were very much of their word when they made their commitment. And FSU's done a good job of not taking emotional commitment. So they get guys that are actually truly committed in this class.
2: And that is why I call you Moral Victory Mike. Because we're nine games in, and last year nine games in, Florida State had commitments from Charles Cross, Sam Howell, and Nick Cross.
1: Why? Why you gotta do this for me? Florida
2: State would be a different team right now if they had those three guys. If they signed those three guys, so in November all three of those guys were committed. So it doesn't matter to me if Jalen Knight and, and and whoever he was asking are still committed nine weeks into the season. It only matters if they sign them. So I could be impressed. Yeah, I see what you're what you're getting at. They haven't decommitted, but you got to realize. Silly season really begins once these kids' high school seasons are over. Very few of them right. open up their no. commitments while they're still playing. So, yeah, I mean, is September. it impressive? Chris says it is. Right. I mean, September and October are largely a dead recruiting
1: month, for all intents and purposes these days. It begins with mid, mid to late November, and December it gets nuts. I, and then it all comes to a crashing halt. But, Josh, I'm glad you brought me back down to earth and made me sad. My main question is, do we know if they're – dad's like
0: FSU. (laughs) That is an important part of the equation. Hey, I have a question for both. uh, Two questions. Chris, did Willie name a starting quarterback today or was he asked about that at his availability? this morning.
1: He's broken us all enough where we're not even trying.
0: You guys are not even asking anymore. All right, cool. And, uh, and then for both of you, I know we kind of touched on the visitors this weekend. Uh, the three guys who were expected to official and right now we believe aren't officially and obviously subject to change. As soon as we no, stop I mean, I, I,
2: we're pretty certain they are not. And who are, the,
0: who are the three again? Did we talk? I forget if we actually spelled this out very clearly. I just it's want to make Reggie sure. Reggie
2: Grimes, okay. defensive end out of Tennessee, Kendall Dennis, uh, defensive back out of the Lakeland area, and Brian Robinson, a wide receiver out of South Florida. Um, all three are not visiting for different reasons. The one that would be the most concerning would be Reggie Grimes. We don't anticipate that that visit's going to get rescheduled. Kendall Dennis has told us he's going to most likely be in town for an unofficial visit this weekend. So that's almost good news because his visit well, official visit if needed could be used later. And then Brian Robinson's a little bit of a weird one. He I'm, I'm told he has the SAT this weekend, which the SAT has been scheduled for, for a year or more. And, Brian Robinson has been telling me, has been telling anybody that would listen for the last six months that he was going to be at this game. And now all of a sudden he's, he's taken the SAT and and his official visit that was set well before the season started is now bumped. So a little bit odd, but what I said about Brian Robinson earlier still holds true. And that doesn't affect my crystal ball pick.
0: I'm just looking forward to uh, all the iTunes reviews that say that we're negative, even though we all predicted FSU to win this weekend.
2: You call it negative. I think we're just telling the story. I don't think the listeners would agree with you, Brandon. I want to be really positive.
0: I want to end this podcast. So bad. I just want them to win. <laughs> I miss it. All right. Bye, everyone. This, is, this has been a blast. Hey, happy Halloween. What are you guys going to uh, do for trick-or-treating tonight? Huh? Who, who are you going to ask? Frylock again, Chris, for like the 10th year in a row?
1: Now, no, no Frylock this year. I'm retiring. And I think I'm
2: just going to go as a middle-aged, out-of-shape
0: broken, member. Broken man. All right. I like it. Josh, you going uh, in a I've living, costume?
2: I've been living in an apartment for the last five years, so I'm in a house now in a neighborhood where there should be kids. I think I'm going to um, sit home and hand out candy. I've never really done that.
1: It's if a, a kid calls you a hippie, immediately call me and get me on the phone with that kid.
0: Chris <laughs> wants his autograph. I got I don't full think, bars. I don't think anybody would call me that you hear that guy's full bars i'm a oh, sports you're, reporter you're a hippie uh five uh, full bars for the kids this year that's pretty clutch right come to the yeah. house i know where i'm taking my kids went, no went to costco went to costco all right someone wrap this up i'm struggling here end it josh all do right. it Pull for the plug. brennan
2: sanone for moral victory mike Woo! a.k.a Christy. i'm josh newberg and we're on the bench thank you